Good morning, friends. Thank you for uh, tuning in with us again as we kick off. I believe this is lesson three or four of our uh, new stewardship class uh, as we continue on looking at some principles here of stewardship and how we can uh, use our blessings and use it all that God has entrusted us with um, to his glory. Uh, joining me always on these uh, classes is my esteemed colleague, Mr. Ray. How's everything in Somerset this morning, Mr. Ray? Thanks, beautiful, my friend. What about what about where you are? Very good, very good. Uh, good weekend, and now uh, like I almost feel like Moses as he comes to the promised land that I can see that we're going to get out of this thing, and we'll be back to services next week, and hopefully back to some semblance of normalcy soon. So uh, it's all good. All yeah, good. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this we've been uh, discussing here this idea of uh, biblical stewardship and. You know, we've spent some time so far, just as a quick recap, spent some time so far just looking at why, why this is important. Uh, and then we spent time discussing what it means to be a, a fiduciary, what it means to be essentially God's power of attorney for financial matters. Everything, God owns everything, everything belongs to God. And we are going to be held accountable for how we use God's assets and how we use them for the cause of the kingdom. And then last, I think in our last class, we looked at the parable of talents and how um, that breaks down to, you know, all of us are entrusted with these things and, you know, there's got to be a final accounting and, and what we do with it's going to be important. Today, what we want to begin covering is uh, the idea of a budget, um, you know, with all things, you know, when you talk about if there's going to be a final accounting, if there's going to be, um, you know, uh, some responsibility we're going to have to take, you know, one of the things we're going to need to do is let's go on and take inventory. Right. So, you know, that that's where we really should start is what do we have? And, and I think that's, that's pretty important um, to, to take a look at, you know, what we got and then uh, where's it going? Uh, you know, there's, it, it's interesting, right. I, I'm, I'm a financial planner by trade as, as many of you know, and uh, it's, it's amazing how many people I talk to that have no idea where their money's going. You know, that's one of the principal questions that, that I ask when we sit down and we're talking about retirement planning is, okay, what's it, you know, if you and your, your wife today weren't working, what's it cost to run your household? What is your, you know, nut that you've got to have every month? And it, you would be surprised. I mean, it's, it's 50, 60% of the people that are in my office have no idea how much money they need to run their household every month. So that, that's, again, I, that's part of the problem, right? We, we got, we got to know that. Uh, but also, you know, uh, exactly where our dollars are going is, is pretty important too. Uh, many people, as I've gone through this exercise with them, uh, like, I guess, essentially chasing your dollars, uh, you'd be surprised what you spend on stuff. I mean, you, you really would. And, you know, if you're at home, you know, the, what I would encourage you to do is take three months worth of your bank statements and start highlighting and making categories. You're going to be astounded where some of your money goes. I mean, I, I've got people with a, you know, $200 a month gas station Mountain Dew problem. I mean, it's, you know, and it's, you laugh about stuff like that. But, you know, if you add it up, if you're spending, you know, if you're getting two of them a day, you know, that's $8 a day times 30 days in a month. Uh, it Quickly, you're, you're spending a bunch of money where, you know, you, nah, that's no big deal. So, Michael, where, what are your initial thoughts kind of as we get into this idea of budgeting? You know, we're kind of we've kind of come to this intersection here where um, 
you know, study of God's word and, and practical kind of money management um, intersect. And I don't, I don't think it's an uncomfortable intersection. I think it's part of the reason that we're doing this is we think that it is a, it's a comfortable intersection. And so, you know, I, I think that just by way of introduction and explanation that uh, anybody, anybody who's willing to take the ride here with us should kind of understand that, that this is kind of going to be at that, at that intersection point, we're, we're going to build on Bible principles for sure, but there's, there's kind of just going to be some practical stuff here that we hope. Um, at least in terms of, of what what budgeting and, and managing money really is about. And, and, and the, other, the other kind of just by way of introduction comment I would make is where we where I think we ended one of our previous classes was is when you make the when you get to the realization that everything's God's, um, every spending decision becomes a spiritual decision. And we, we talked about that quote and that, that has kind of stuck with me. And so if if we truly are stewards here, then this this ledger, this budget that we're getting ready to talk about is not as much about uh, making sure that my accounts balance as it is about uh, accounting for God's assets. And 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 so that that I think that puts it a little more in perspective. I, I, I might be a little uh, fast and loose with my own stuff, uh, but if I'm if I'm holding assets on behalf of somebody else, uh, I might take a little more care and concern and be a little more conscientious about it. And, and, and so we're, we are literally all in that, in that role. And so I hope that, hope that does put us in the right, in the right frame of mind that this is a tedious task, at least to, to get started. Um, and, uh, is it, is it worth the effort? Um, I think we would both argue that it certainly is both from a practical perspective, but even more importantly, because of a spiritual perspective, that this is, this is a God ordained activity. Um, that this is, you know, again, this is God's stuff and, and how we treat it and what we do with it, uh, is, does have spiritual ramifications. Uh, so again, I hope, hope that intersection makes sense to everyone. Um, Mike, if it's okay with you, I'm going to go ahead and, and pull up, a. Uh, a presentation that that we've kind of been working on together, and um, th this kind of give us an outline for a few classes um, in, in, in term, terms of Christian budgeting, and just a couple of verses to think about as an overview of this concept. He said, "Is is this is this really a spiritual endeavor? You know, is this this is something that that." Are, are we reaching too far when we say that, that there is a Christian way to do this? Should, should managing our money be completely secular and, and worship to God and spiritual things be spiritual and, and, and those two streams don't ever need to cross? <clears throat> I think there's certainly scriptural evidence that God expects this. You know, read the verse from Proverbs uh, 27, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds for riches do not last forever. Um, for me in my life, uh, my flocks and herds um, have more to do about uh, bank statements and the condition of my home. That's my flocks and herds. And, and I think God does tell me to know well the condition of those things and to manage them. Um, and that, 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 that directive is from Proverbs. And then and we're familiar with the, you know, in the, in the section of Luke 14 about counting the cost. Jesus says, which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't sit down first and compute the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. Well, he, he is, you know, indirectly for sure, but indirectly advocating for uh, somebody to do some budgeting, <laughs> not to, not to get caught 
um, halfway through this tower without understanding what you can afford. And so uh, that, that's just kind of my, would be an overview of this is a this is a this is a Christian idea. This is a spiritual endeavor. For sure, and and, and that you know we we talked about this a little bit um, working into this class, but I think it's very interesting the entire context there in Luke fourteen. You know, Jesus is talking about the cost of discipleship. You know, essentially, he's saying, you know, you need to budget your life to make sure that you understand what you're getting into. You know, here's what discipleship costs. But he uses a couple of analogies there. He talks about building a tower. He talks about going to war. You know, he says, even going to war, you know, who doesn't take accounting? I've got X number of men. Can I go up against another force that has more? Uh, so when we think about that idea. It's really what do we have you know let's kind of get our arms around what we have and then what are these potential liabilities out there whether it's in war who am i going up against right and whether it's you know building a tower or building a you know a piece on a piece of property you know what what are the things that could go wrong what 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 are the budget what are the hard costs and can i do it and you know the the answer at the end of both of these is you know or if he doesn't do it right is a fool and, you know, everybody essentially makes fun of him for not being able to go through with what he should. Um, and, and I think that's really an important idea, both in discipleship, but also in, you know, assessing these talent, this talent or talents um, that God has, has put in our hands. That it's, we've been definitely blessed with, uh, with some riches, with some assets. And now let's figure out, you know, how are we going to use them for the good of the kingdom? Uh, and you know, where are they, uh, where are they going? Um, uh, you know, more importantly, and, and I think that's back to knowing the condition of your flocks and your herds, you know, uh, it's, it, it's hard for us, I think in a non, you know, I mean, there's some, there may be some listening to us that, that are, you know, make your living off of an agricultural base and you may be farming and, and know, know that, you know, this idea pretty well with cattle or whatever you're, you're, uh, raising theirs as far as farming. But for most of us, you know, uh, we don't have literal flocks and herds to attend to, but at Michael's point, you know, we do got, you know, bank statements and, and 401k statements and investments and homes and, and whatnot that we've got to, you know, definitely give attention to and understand that, uh, you know, the end of that, that they don't last forever. So what am I doing with them while I have them and, and how are they most beneficial? So, you know, this is absolutely a, a, a godly principle the idea of, of budgeting and the idea of, of being a good steward. Um, but so, you know, the important thing here is let, let's drill down and we're going to try to take this um, a bite at a time. All right. We, we don't want to throw this entire thing at you. Um, but what we're going to try to do is work our way through each, you know, if you can kind of see in the budget, you know, there's, there's a, the blue headings over there. That's what we're going to try to do is just kind of work through each one of those blue headings you know, to talk about this section of the budget and how it applies spiritually. We're going to try to make both some financial points and some spiritual points um, and, and marry those two together and give you some ideas uh, to lead you with. Yeah, just, just a couple of things to build off that. One is, you know, I, I can definitely imagine, you know, the, the proverb writer asked about the condition of flocks and herds. I can definitely, uh, you know, imagine, um, God asking us, you know, what, what's the condition of the assets that I've given you? You know, what, what's the condition of, of your bank statement? You know, are you, are you balancing your bank statement? What, what's the, what's the current debt on your credit card? And, and if we don't know those answers, I think God rightly has 
you know, the right to ask is, well, how good a steward of my stuff are you being? If you don't, if you don't know the answers to those pretty basic questions, <clears throat> how, how much should I be trusting you with? That's a, that's a legitimate question. Um, and it, and it kind of goes back to, if we can't be trusted with earthly wealth, who's going to trust us with heavenly riches in, right. in the book of Luke. And, and so, um, I, I think there is an entrusting, uh, to us of God's stuff. And that comes with some responsibility and we should take that, we should take that seriously. The second part is again, by way of introduction is there, there's two ways to look at our, at our personal finances. And I think we're going to, we're going to take a, a, a swing at both in the series of these lessons, but, um, and it, and it kind of goes back to this. Uh, and again, I want to jump in the practical bucket for a minute. It goes back to this idea of a snapshot in time versus a, a view of a period of time. Um, and that, you know, if you're, if you're a financial person, that's almost the difference between an income statement and a balance sheet, right? Is, is one is a, just a snapshot. Here's what I have at this moment in time. And the other one is what are the ins and outs, um, over a period of time? Well, this, this budget is, is more of a, more of an income statement kind of, kind of look, right? It, it is what, what comes into my uh, account, so to speak, what does God bless me with over a month's time versus what, what do I spend that money on? So what comes in and what comes in and what goes out? Um, so this, this is a, a look at a month in time. Um, I, there's also, you know, a, a lot of benefit to looking at that snapshot um, you know, what are my assets at a given point in time versus how much debt do I have at a given point in time? Um, kind of looking at our, at our, you know, uh, net worth, so to speak, but, but th that's a different kind of analysis. And you, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go along. So just, you know, again, um, as, as we look at this budget, just keep in mind, this is, this is intended to be a view of a, a stewardship budget for, for a person's month in time. And I know that may be somewhat difficult to see. We will uh, we'll, we'll uh, attach a PDF copy of this budget um, in the notes to the to the Facebook post. Just if somebody wants to review it on their own and kind of have a peek at it, this this is we should note this is fictional, um, but but we think representative. And uh, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll try to utilize it uh, to make to make the points that that we intend to make here. Um, the, the first thing that we should note is, you know, any budget's got to be based on a certain income, right? Um, and so, Mike, I believe that we have um, just just for um, ease of of presenting the budget, we, we've based this this budget on a on a certain income of, I believe, fifty thousand dollars of household income. Is that correct? Yeah, so the we looked at both the median household income in the United States and the median household income in the state of Kentucky. So since Michael and I are both uh, citizens of the great state of Kentucky, or Commonwealth. Commonwealth of Kentucky, sorry, Commonwealth, yeah. uh, the great Commonwealth of Kentucky, uh, you know, we're going to look at, at that. And it's it's 50000 I think $247 um, is, is what the math comes to. Uh, but this is, you know, our fictional family here in the state or in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I, I'm, I can't get away from saying state. I'm a, I guess that's the Yankee in me. Um, so, you know, here in the Commonwealth, um, you know, you start with your income, right? And that's what's, you know, if you accepted a job or, you know, if there's two of you working in your household, that's, you know, that's the income that you have. Uh, coming in. Now, it's, it's important to note that this is the gross income. You know, we're going to break down every piece of this. So if you accepted a job um, and they said, you know, hey, we're going to pay you 50000 
you know, dollars a year, this is where you start on the budget. You know, this is the first line item. And for those of you that have never done a budget, you know, this, that's, I'm going to back up a little bit to this, this too. Um, this uh, document that we're going to send. And if you, you know, if you want um, comment, email one of us, uh, we'd be happy to send you the fillable spreadsheet that you can use for your family and put in your real numbers um, and, and walk through, you know, kind of how this thing works. Uh, I think it's, it's a good exercise for every family to do this. Um, but, you know, as, as you start to walk through there, uh, you know, of course, the income's on line one. And, and then for some of us, you have you may have some extra income. Um, and now what is that? You know, if you you know, cut the neighbor's grass, um, for example, and they give you 20 bucks every time you cut their grass. Or, you know, if you own some individual stocks and you've got dividends that come in um, that you receive in cash um, as opposed to on a drip plan or something. There's, there's different things like that that kind of flow into this extra line. Um, but, you know, that this is kind of where you, where you start. You know, how much do I have coming in? And, uh, and you know, and, and from a growth standpoint, you know, you know, many of us know that, you know, what I make is not what I keep, right? right. You know, there are uh, right off the top, um, you know, it, uh, tell us kind of quick story. I don't want to spend too much time here on this, but I'll never forget my very first job. Uh, my very first job, I worked for a little restaurant in Cincinnati called Skyline Chili. And, you know, having a conversation with my dad, uh, I wanted a car when I turned 16. And in Ohio, you could start working as early as 15. There were some limited hours and whatnot. But anyway, I had it figured out. I'd done all the math and figured out how many hours I needed to work at $4.12 an hour, by the way. Uh, you know, what I needed to work at 412 to, you know, save up money to buy a car. And my first check, I come home and I'm just irate. Dad, what is going on here? I've been cheated. You, you didn't lie. make 412. I did not make 412 an hour. <laughs> you know, I, my whatever uh, 20 hours I was allowed to work that week, you know, times 412, that math did not come out right. I got substantially less than that. And he laughed and he said, you know, I, understand that uncle sam gets his rake first you know uncle sam always is in there first so before you get your paycheck from your employer there's a set of you know typically we refer to them as fica comes out first that, that comes out right off the top so everybody knows that you know if you've been in the workplace for any time you've had that same jaded experience where you're not getting to bring home what you make or what you thought you made um, because of these fica taxes yeah, and and you'll note as, as you said uh, in our budget there there is a, a line on there for taxes and and so we 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 thought it was um, worthwhile to show the top line as as an actual fifty thousand dollar income and then dig into the weeds a little bit about what does that really mean in terms of disposable income because that that household that has fifty thousand dollars of income that sounds like a significant amount of money and yet when you start thinking about well there's taxes come out of that. And there's health insurance comes out of that before we even really the, the 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 check hits the bank, and then you know get mortgage or rent to come out of there, uh, and then all the utilities, and then and then and then uh, car payment, and then what what is really left. So that, that's kind of the conversation that we want to tackle. What is what is realistic for this median household income? <clears throat> and we should note that your household income may be higher or lower than that fifty thousand. The the principles still apply in in any case. 
Um, it, it is <laughs> the, the, the definition of median says that half of the state's going to be below that number and half is going to be above it. So um, where, whatever side of that you're on, um, God has blessed you either way and the principles here still apply. So right. again, let me, let me give one more quick disclaimer here too. Please. Um, understand that when we talk about these things, these are principles, right? And, and principles of financial planning, either given by me, you know, in my background or Michael's are not scriptural. Okay. So, you know, if we say, you know, you should spend 25% of your income on your mortgage, you know, that, that's not a, you know, we can't take you to, you know, whatever accounting for 12 and point that to you. Um, what we are saying when we start to think about what percentage of income goes into what category is this is what makes sense. You know, this is a practical solution to this problem. Um, you know, and so that, that's one, you know, right. We're going to give you some practical solutions and we're going to tell you what, what makes financial sense here in, in stewardship. But two, don't beat yourself to death if you're not here today, right? You know, the purpose of this class, the purpose of, of you tuning in is to get better, right? So if you're, budget is all out of whack and you know you the you got a hole in the boat you know you can start taking steps today and understand that it is an evolution not a revolution you know if you've got you know 50 percent of your income is going to credit card debt that we're going to talk about later you're not going to be able to pay that all off tomorrow okay it's going to take you some time to work out of that so when we're talking about here we're talking about utopia right we're talking about in a perfect world, in a perfect way, these are the these are the numbers you should aspire to. These are going to help you out, but it may take you some. Depending on your family and your income and your situation, it may take you some time to get there, and that's okay, right? When we read about that, this is the same. I think people get in trouble with this. This is the same thing when I read spiritual principles about everything else I do in life, right? If I look at what I should be in God's eyes as a Christian, I come up woefully short, right? But that's why grace is there because God allows me to grow into what I ought to be. And sometimes I'm, you know, the beginning of Galatians chapter five, right? I have days where I am the beginning of Galatians chapter five. I'm trying to get to the fruit of the spirit, right? And so there's going to be a process in here where we've got to have some financial growth as well as spiritual growth. So cut yourself a break is, is, is the main point of disclosure number two. And, and so I'm, no, I'm going to pile disclosures on top of disclosures. I, I, I would also say that, and, and I think it's important that we should note here, that, that a balanced budget doesn't make you holy, right? Um, that that it, this, we, we think that this is built on Christian principles, but we also, I think we would both acknowledge that, that this, is, this is a, a facet of, of a Christian life, right? And that, that being part of the kingdom and growing the kingdom and being led by the spirit in, involves things that are, that are larger and more profound than, than this budget being balanced. However, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything else, uh, almost in, in, in his, in what we have recorded for us in the gospels. And so he realized that having a balanced budget didn't make you holy, but being unbalanced in this arena tended to lead to unholiness. And, and so um, th this is, again, this, this intersection of practicality and spirituality um, that, that having our uh, being disciplined in this area 
um, tends to um, be part of, of, an, of a, you know, holistically more disciplined life. Uh, and so, yeah, are there, are there terrible people who have balanced household budgets? Yes. For sure. No question. So this is not holiness. However, this is good stewardship. And if that's part of our Christian experience, then, then we should, then, then we should take it seriously. Um, the, other, the other thing to note here is, is you'll, you'll note here in this budget that we're, we're showing on the screen that this is, this budget is balanced, so to speak. Um, it, it, it zeroes out that if we have the income that we expect and, and we have the um, outgoing of funds that we expect, either through giving, saving, or spending, then our, then our balance is zero. This particular budget is, is kind of useful because it allows you to plug in actual amounts for a given month and see how that compared to what you expected. And so you can see in this example, somebody had some extra income, you know, either they got a tax refund come in this month or they got a little extra money for, uh, uh, from a yard sale or, or what have you. There was a little Stimulus extra. Check. What's that? Stimulus check. Stimulus check. Yeah. So there's a little extra income. And so they were, they were actually, um, they had a surplus in this, in this given month, but it allows you to kind of compare, um, what, what, what reality is versus what you said is a utopia. So this, this, Again, this, this type of budget is certainly aspirational, as you, as you said. This is something to build toward, and, and this, this would be um, the most disciplined uh, approach. But it's also good to compare that to reality and, and see, you know, just because it's on paper doesn't mean that's really how we're living. So with, with all of those disclaimers uh, <laughs> firmly in place, uh, let's dig into this. Mike, let's dig into this budget of this family with $50,000 of income and, and I think we both agreed one of the reasons that we wanted to do this study is because of where we start. Yeah, that, and that, that's absolutely right. So, you know, the first thing uh, that, that we should budget for is, is our giving, right? And, and, and I think that that principle holds up all throughout scriptures. Um, the first thing that you budget for should always be the most important thing. That, that's where we start. Typically, and where most budgets go wrong, in my opinion, on a spiritual level, is we start with our top expenses. You know, uh, I make X dollars and I'm going to spend, you know, Y on the house and, you know, J on the car. And then let's see what's left after that. Um, that, that you're going to fail. Okay. If you start with your most expensive things first and you want to build those in, uh, you're going to run out of money for, for different things. Uh, but if you start with what's most important first and say, Hey, I'm going to take right off of the top, my most important thing, then I'll figure out what kind of house I can afford. Then I'll figure out what kind of car I can afford. Then I'll figure out what kind of, you know, cable and utilities package I can afford. You know, you've got to work your way down the list of what is important to you. And if, again, if we're talking about, uh, you know, our assets being owned by God, if God truly owns everything, and I am a power of attorney for God, I am a steward for God, I am a fiduciary for God, to use those terms from, from that class, then, you know, shouldn't my first dollars allocated be to God, or in God's purposes? And, and that comes really in, I want to say in kind of two different ways is first there's money that we give to the local church. If you're part of a local church, there is a responsibility that we have on the first day of the week to give back 
to your local church. But that's not it. That's, that's not the only money that we have. There also should be budgeted into your allocation, you know, things to do for good. Now that's, we've got it listed just as charitable, but this, this comes in the form of a lot of different things. You know, in this particular line item could be uh, your family's decision to help a gospel preacher on your own, right? Gospel preachers can receive support in a couple of different ways. They either receive it from where they're working, from other churches that, that support the work there, or from individuals. And as an individual, and, and I've, you know, my family's done this from time to time. And um, I, I know a couple of families that, that I'm pretty close with that um, there are you know, they send, uh, you know, certain dollars to help support preachers in different areas every month. That's just part of, of what they do. This also could be something that in, you know, where you budget in and, and Michael and I, you know, have a, a cause that's near and dear to our hearts and, and, and that's sacred selections, you know, that helps fund the adoption of children into Christian homes. You know, and this could be, you know, and typically once a year we have a big fundraiser, in April, and, and we just did one here, you know, a couple of three or four weeks ago at this point. Uh, and, you know, it's usually a one time, you know, kind of big spend, you know, you come and you donate whatever dollars. Well, part of this is allocating that every month, you know, you build that up, you don't have big major one time expenses, you know, you accrue for that every month, so that when that comes around, you know, you can do that. Now, one of the things that we did this year, and have put together is, you know, if you struggle with this, that of setting this aside in your bank account and would like to, you know, contribute 25 or $50 a month, we've set up where you can now just drip pay into the account um, and pay it like a bill every month. So that over the course of the year, you're giving, you know, 500, 750, 300, whatever that number is, but you're giving it on a monthly basis. So it comes out of your account and it's out of your budget. So there, there are different things you can do like that. And this is the, you know, if you're going to help somebody, if you're going to, whatever you're going to do personally to help with the kingdom on a cash flow basis. So that, that's the other thing that, that's very important here is that these are cash donations, cash gifts to certain causes. We're also going to talk about when we get into other aspects of the budget, how we use our capital assets for the use of the kingdom. So, you know, on a cash flow basis, this is kind of, of where we start. Uh, Michael, what, what are things you think about in this, this same idea of both, you know, giving to the church and, and giving to others? And, um, you know, how'd you come up with the $300 placeholder here? Where'd we get to? Yeah, those are good questions, and, and I think there's a there's a place later in the study where we talk about, um, you know, what principles should we keep in mind as we as we think about this distinction between to the local church and to other charitable causes. But um, I don't think there's I don't think there's any question that there are expectations of us as followers of God that go beyond the the local the local work. Um, you know that that the uh, support of the poor is i mean that that is there could not be a more godly principle than that 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 that, that was one of the the downfalls of the uh the nation of israel in the old testament in, in every instance where god is condemning them one of the things they're condemned for is the way they treated the poor um and and you know jesus made clear that we were supposed to uh um leave room in our <laughs> in our budgets for for that kind of thing so 
however you want, however you want to uh, tackle that out of that charitable. And again, we could have titled that something different, other kingdom purposes, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, but um, whether it is to your point, uh, orphans, uh, to, to, to give a pertinent example, the fatherless, or, or whether it is those that are just hungry. Um, and whether that is personal or through some earthly organization that we trust to, to, to manage assets. I think all those are reasonable things to put into that charitable or other kingdom purposes line. Um, but uh, there, there's also certainly the, the responsibility for, for giving to the local church. If you, if you look at the, the total amount of, of giving that we're talking about here, we're talking about $600 out of, out of roughly $4,000 a month um, uh, of gross, of gross income. Uh, and so Mike, that, that, that tends toward 15%, um, uh, total. And in this instance, we've split that evenly between the church and other charitable, uh, functions. Um, I, I think both of us would say, again, this is, this is aspirational, uh, as a budget and, and also, uh, individual results may vary, right? That, that this is, this is not, this is not um, a scriptural mandate that it's 15% and it's split evenly between the local church and other charitable causes. I, I think that, that this requires some prayer and some, some you know, uh, as a family, some prayer and some thought and some meditation about if our priorities are God's priorities, how are we going to uh, look at our budget and uh, prioritize our giving um, in a way that both is financially responsible, but also is for kingdom purposes. Um, so that, that is, that is this, uh, this is this example. Uh, but I, I would not, I, I would say this is, again, I think this is good stewardship, this example, but it's, but, but it's by no means the only answer. Right. And, and that, this is where the difficulty comes in um, it, to our set of disclosures there, right? Is that, you know, while this is aspirational and, and, you know, this, these are numbers that, that Michael and I are comfortable with um, as we, you know, make our own personal financial decisions, you know, you've got to come up with that number, right? And, and the, the, the scriptural principle that we're given in the new Testament is, you know, as we, you know, to give as we have prospered, right? So if I, I like the idea of a percentage basis, because as my income changes, these numbers change, right? You know, if you set a flat dollar figure and say, hey, I'm going to give, you know, $200 to the church every no matter month. matter what, yeah. No matter what, every month, you know. And, and that's a great way maybe to get started. But that's very different if you make $50,000 or you make, you know, $250,000. You know, you've got, you know, that $200 isn't as big a deal at two fifty dollars as it is at, at fifty. dollars You know, right? You may have started out and met – number, you know, was important and a, and a big piece of your income. But, you know, as, as that, you know, as you grow financially, as, as, you know, you get raises, as you get, you know, more blessing, more God puts in your life, that number, you know, in my mind should change. And if it's on a percentage basis, then, you know, and you move those percentages up, I, I think that can make some sense. And that, that can help you as you're, you know, making those next financial decisions that, you know, Hey, we, you know, we've gotten raises, we've done really well. And now we're going to go look for another house. Well, okay. So we're, we're, we're going to take the housing side of the budget up. And before we decide where we can get housing from X to Y, 
you know, we should come back and revisit this one too, right? You know, if, if we've gotten a, you know, a 10% raise or a 20% raise or a promotion where we, you know, our incomes increase significantly, we should go back and apply that systematically across the budget. I, I think that that's a good principle and that that's helpful there. Starting here. Yeah. Right. So and right. I think that's, that's important is, is that, that promotion that increases our, our top line that, that we should visit this part of the outflows of cash first to your point. Yeah. We want to, it's, we, we may want a, a nicer house in a, in a nicer community for our family. Um, but if that comes at the expense of this growing, how's our stewardship? Right. And, and how, yeah, how, how are we, how are we justifying that? And, Again, let's let's understand here. You know, while Jesus praises the widow with her two mites and throws them in, that's also not good financial stewardship, right? If if you you know you've got to, there's got to be balance here, right? You know, she gave out of her lack, you know, the, those two mites, and that was all that she had. You know, if you give a hundred percent of your income to the church every month, you can't live, and you're not taking care of your family. So that's also, you know, not a great idea. While, you know, some would applaud your generosity, there is balance here that, that we've got to strike. And, you know, we're going to get into, you know, maybe some of these principles of how you come up with that number. And, you know, again, the more you're blessed, the more, you know, as a either a percentage of income, you know, this number can go up pretty comfortably. Um, you know, it, if you look at, you know, millionaires and billionaires and who we always think of as the wealthy, uh, you know, they really pretty regularly give away 25, 30, 40% of their income. Now there's a bunch of tax advantages for that. And they give it away in some foundations and do some different things that, you know, we'd be happy to get into if you want to get that far in the weeds. But, you know, if you're making, you know, $10 million a year, it doesn't hurt you to give away 2 million, right? If you're giving away 20% or 3 million, if you're giving away, depending on how the rest of your assets are set up, you know, if you're making, you know, $4,000 a month, it's going to be harder for you to give away a third of that and still have, you know, a, a style of living. So, you know, you build it. Important thing is I, I say, all that to say this important thing is you've got to build to a point, but come up with a percentage. And, and that's the first thing, you know, as a family sit down and pray about it, think about it, and come up with, you know, a number that is 10%, 15%, whatever you feel comfortable with as a family and build that in first and then start to build the rest of it. That, that's the important statement here. Yeah. And then to your point, uh, just as this number would adjust as, as incomes go up, that's not always the way life happens, right? That sometimes incomes go down. And, and, and I think that we reevaluate um, the entire budget at, at that point also is that, um, you know, maintaining this, this line item stubbornly while, while we devolve into bankruptcy is, 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 is probably not good stewardship either. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's important to, to continue to watch this. Uh, but one of the, you know, probably the, the, the question that is reasonable is why, why do we consider this line first? Uh, to your point, it's probably not the largest line item for most of us. Um, when, you know, housing is probably bigger, it would make sense to start with the biggest rock first. So why, why start instead here with, with giving? And there's a few points about this, um, Mike, about, about why we start here. Yeah. And, and the first is first and most important is, you know, God gave first, you know, when we think about, 
Uh, you know, this Michael quotes this passage here from 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this world's goods not to be haughty or to set their hope on riches, which are uncertain, but on God who richly provides us all things for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others. You know, that's, that's the commandment God gave. But, but let's, let's back up just a little bit before that, too. Before the foundation of the world, God's decision was that Jesus would die for our sins. So before he started building the world we live in, before he even created man or created principles for man, the decision was that he was going to give to pay man's debt and the debt that we can't pay that's sin. God is a gracious giver and he gave first. He planned first before he thought about, you know, birds of the air, fish of the sea. He thought about giving to redeem us. And I think that's very important that God, that we view God as a gracious giver, that he gives to those who cannot help themselves, us, right? We have no way to redeem ourselves out of sin, that, you know, God's first principle and priority is to give, to protect us, to help us, to redeem us. Excuse me. And if we're rich in the world's goods, as Paul writes to Timothy here, then the important thing is that we also ought to give to those that cannot help themselves in terms of worldly goods, right? There are those that are poor that have no ability to help themselves. There are orphans that have no ability to help themselves. There are, you know, different causes in the gospel. The gospel, you know, the, the church, you know, sur has to survive on contributions. It's a, you know, 501c3 nonprofit. It, there's no other way scripturally that the church can make money you know the church can't make money by you know selling stuff or you know holding events and whatnot the church raises money through free will offering of the saints that are a part of that so you know these that have no other way to take care of themselves you know have to be taken care of by those that have the blessings from god to fund those goals uh, and i would also agree with all that i would also say that when if if you accept the fact that god owns everything and and we we talked about that uh we talked about that in a previous class that if you intellectually kind of make that uh assessment that god owns everything the next thing that you kind of admit when you say that is that whatever we have is his provision that um we're, we're stewards and, and it's his provision because it's his stuff and he's letting us have it however hard we work and however much education we think we deserved our job and our pay. The fact is it's his provision uh, because it's his stuff. And so um, it, this is, this is, this is truly giving back, right? This is not giving. This is, this is not taking our stuff and giving some of it to God. This is returning part of God's stuff to him as an acknowledgement. You know, if you look in the old Testament about the tithing that the Israelites were told to do, it, it was, it was a constant reminder that God is the giver that everything belongs to God. And, and that we are dependent upon his provision. Um, and it's an acknowledgement of that. So that, that's why it's first. Um, this is his stuff. And, and when we acknowledge that it's his stuff um, and that he, he is, it's his provision that, that um, allows us all the opportunities that we have. And it makes sense that, that, uh, uh, that, that he comes first in the budget. Secondly, I would say um, that there's an expectation from God, that, that our abundance, that our, that his provision to us, not only is supposed to supply us, but it's supposed to supply others. Um, 
that that is baked into what God provides to us. If we are blessed that we have provision from God, part of his expectation of that provision is that others uh, are being helped out of that also. You know, uh, think about this divinely. When God says, Michael, uh, your income is 50,000 and out of that, you're providing for your family and others. That's his expectation. And you can, that's an Old Testament and a New Testament concept. The Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, that, that Old Testament concept of gleaning, where those who had land said, don't, uh, uh, God said to the children of Israel, don't harvest all of your land. Don't, don't harvest the corners of the field. Don't, don't pick the vineyard bare. Don't gather up the fallen grapes. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. That, that was their income, quite literally. He says, hey, don't, um, don't exhaust, don't, don't utilize all those resources. They are expected to help others also. Uh, and, and I think very practically, you can see in a lot of, in a lot of people's budgets in, in 2020, because of uh, debt and, and size of um, uh, expenditures for entertainment and other things, they're stripping their own vineyard bare, quite literally, um, that, that there is nothing left over for the poor and, and the sojourner. Um, that, 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 that would be a practical application of what's being said there. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that's important too. And, you know, to, to Michael's point, not only are you stripping your vineyard bare, but you're borrowing others' vineyards, you know, and, and that's what, you know, how credit card debt essentially works is you're taking all of yours and a little bit of somebody else's and you have an expectation you got to pay that back plus interest, right? So, you know, that's important. Are we stripping everything down and even going in the negative? You know, there's some of you that may be doing a budget today and your budget doesn't balance at the end. It's running negative a few hundred dollars a month that's going on a credit card that, you know, from time that, and that, that's how those credit cards balloon and grow over time is that we're spending more in any given month than what we have coming in. So we're financing that somehow. Um, and so that, that's important. You know, are we, um, you know, building that in? Uh, but I think it's, it's, it's so important here to understand fundamentally that God's saying whatever income level you're at, I've blessed you to that point to provide not just for you. God's saying that that blessing is intended to provide for others. And, and you know, it's Old Testament principle for sure in Leviticus, but read Ephesians 4.28. You know, the one who steals, steal no longer. Instead, let him labor with his own hands so that he will have something to share with others that are in need. The principle is, you know, if you work, you'll go to work. Don't steal. Don't do it unlawfully. But if you'll go to work, God's saying, I'll bless you with enough to take care of yourself and to have enough to share. And, and that's, we've got to understand that. And in and, and, and a, you know, 21st century U.S. consumer-based economy, you know, we don't think like that. We think, you know, this is, you know, it's all mine uh, and, and I'm going to use it on whatever I want to use it on. Um, but that is, that's flawed um, because God's saying, you know, I've, I've had people that I've, I've dealt with, um, you know, in a financial planning standpoint that said, you know, well, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to be charitable. Well, in my opinion is you can't afford not to because God's saying that's, I've given you enough to do this. It's about how we're allocating those resources. And, and to that point of can't afford not to, that would lead to this last point, I think, is that um, our generosity is linked to our prosperity. 
And this is not the reason that we give, but this is a biblical principle of a, of a uh, natural and divine response to our giving. Uh, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, and then your barns will be filled completely and your vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, one couple of things from that passage I would point out, that's Proverbs chapter 3, <clears throat> 9 and 10, um, is that the, the uh, expectation is it's our first fruits. Well, that, that's the reason why giving is the first line on the budget, because it's supposed to be our first fruits. It's the first thing that, that, that comes out. Um, and if we do that, if we honor the Lord with our first fruits, then we'll continue to be blessed. <clears throat> our barns will be filled completely. Our vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, Jesus would say in Luke chapter six thirty eight, you know, it, it'll be give it'll be given to you as you have given. Uh, so give with good measure, press press down, pour you know, pouring over, so to speak. And and again, that's not the reason that we give, but from a divine perspective, Mike, I, I think it. it from, from if you try to think of, and this is dangerous at times, but if you look at it from God's perspective, who would he be um, most uh, willing to prosper with physical blessings? Well, it would make sense that God would continue to prosper those who are willing to take blessings and apply them to his purposes. If, if, he, if, if we are good stewards of what we have, and God knows that, hey, if, if I bless my guestess, I know that my kingdom purposes are going to be benefited because of what he has, it makes sense that <clears throat> you would continue to be benefited so that kingdom purposes could continue to be, to, to be uh, grown. If, if we are wasteful and, and um, poor stewards of what we have, why would God continue to, again, he owns everything, why would God continue to put those things in our hands knowing that his assets are going to be wasted and the kingdom purposes are not going to be fulfilled? Um, from that perspective, I think it, it, it makes perfect sense that those who are buckets and not, or excuse me, who are funnels and not buckets, who are willing to take God's blessings and funnel them to God's causes, God will continue to, to maintain that supply so you can continue to support his work. Yeah, and you see language not only like here in Proverbs, but if you look at Haggai and Malachi, two of the minor prophets, you know, God even says to them in calling them out for their lack of doing this, right, in, in, the cap, in captivity, one of the phrases, put me to the test, right? Try me on this and see if I won't even open the stores of heaven. Um, you know, God's been very plain with, you know, his, his people in the Old Testament. And, you know, and Jesus carries these principles over into the New Testament, right? We reap what we sow. You know, or, or if we're you know, sowing bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. If we're sowing sparingly, we're, we're going to reap sparingly. That, that, that's a, a solid biblical principle. And so, you know, we've got to, we've got to decide where we're, we're sowing and, and where we're reaping. And if we truly do, you know, trust God to provide as he always has and, and to give us the ability to do these things. Now, he, here's an important point. I want to take just a very quick sidebar and don't want to get lost in the weeds here. There are bad actors and there are scumbags that have a lot of money, right? So let's be very clear here that while God does bless those who, who use, you know, assets properly for, for the kingdom and, and you, I love the analogy Michael used there. If we act more like a funnel than a bucket, you know, yes, Absolutely. But there will also always be bad actors out there that take advantage of people that don't do things the right way and they amass fortunes of themselves, right? Think about the devil 
when he takes Jesus up in the temptations of Jesus, right? Everybody kind of remembers that story. What's, what does he say when he takes him up to the precipice? Look out, all these kingdoms are mine. The devil's wealthy too, okay? That there is wealth that is that the devil is accumulating. He tells Jesus, I'll give you all of these kingdoms and all of these riches because they were in his control. They were under his, his power there. So you can get wealthy being a scumbag. It's possible. I, I can give you a bunch of examples of people that have. But, you know, as a as a Christian, it's also not uh, it's not a sin to be wealthy. God has blessed many people, David, Solomon, Peter, uh, to give you New Testament examples, uh, Luke, who was a physician, you know, Luke made plenty of, of cash. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. I think Dr. Luke gets lost in some of this, but Luke is along the way in a lot of Paul's journeys on his own dime. <laughs> Have you noticed that Luke just keeps showing up where Paul is? Well, how'd he get there? You know, churches are supporting Paul, but Luke is going from town to town, you know, plying his craft as a physician and raising funds for himself that he's using to help further the gospel in these, these different areas. So there are those who will be blessed, you know, physically and, and will have, have assets, you know, credited to their accounts to be able to help others uh, for doing this. But we've got to understand why we're doing what we're doing, right? If, if you're listening to this, this podcast or, or these videos and, and this is your get-rich-quick scheme, like, hey, I'm going to start tomorrow giving more to the church and I'm going to expect in three weeks to get a raise at work, no. Like, you've, you've completely misunderstood everything that we've said, okay? And because you start ripping people off and are dishonest and your bank account grows, God is not blessing you for that. Like, stop. You know, we, we've got to use some common sense here while we're applying biblical principles that you can be a scumbag and get wealthy, but you can do things the right way and God can bless you. I've heard Christians argue almost that if, if somebody is wealthy and is, you know, growing their assets and net worth, well, they must be doing something wrong because God somehow wants you to take a vow of poverty. That's just not true. God actually does the opposite. Those that are, you know, careful with his blessings, those that act as a funnel are often rewarded and we see their riches grow. And, and you know, we could spend the rest of our, our time together in three hours, I'm sure, lining up example after example that that's exactly what happens. So there's not a vow of poverty. Poverty is not piety by any means. And because you're blessed with wealth, that doesn't make you more holy either. Yeah. And, and I think I'm going to key on a word you mentioned there is that um, accumulate. And, and I think that, that that is an important distinction in this, in this regard is that, um, you know, I, this, this verse and, and, and others would, would say there's a big difference between God blessing us and us accumulating wealth. Um, if our goal is accumulation, I, th I don't think that's a spiritual principle. If our, if our goal is distribution, if we are truly a funnel, uh, I think the, the biblical principle is God pours so much into our funnel that, that we have a hard time distributing it fast enough. Um, and, and so we, we end up with um, some wealth as uh, perhaps some end up with some wealth as the world would define it. Um, not because they're accumulators, not because it's their goal to build wealth, but because God uh, trusts them to distribute it. And as long as we continue to be distributors to kingdom causes, I think that's a spiritual principle to your point. So uh, in, in the time we have left, we've only got a couple minutes, Mike. Um, let, let's talk about some 
practical considerations um, as we as we consider our giving here. Uh, and we, we touched on this one briefly. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll make a couple points here and then I'll leave it to you. How much, what's, what's the, what's the balance between our giving to the local church and, and giving to other worthy causes, whether it is the fatherless and widows or, or whether it is those who, who don't have enough and, or uh, to feed those who, who can't feed themselves um, or helping the elderly, whatever those things are. What's, what's the balance there? And there, there's two things and, and like many other things that we'll talk about here, there's not a, there's not a uh, prescription. There's not a, there's not a, uh, a percentage that, that is God ordained um, because I think God does that on purpose because I, I think we're, we're supposed to struggle with this. I think we're supposed to check our hearts and pray about it and meditate with it and, and, um, and, and come to a number that we're comfortable with in a godly way. The two thoughts I would, I would mention in this regard is Galatians six and verse 10 said, do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So there is a priority given to the household of God and, and that, that those who are spreading the gospel, again, if, if our purposes are kingdom purposes and, and, and local churches are managing their own finances well, then evangelism um, is going to be supported with those funds and um, that, that spreading that in the household of God is, is a priority. But I would also say from Mark chapter 7, um, and in that, in, in, if you'll study that passage, um, there were, there were uh, some uh, Jewish um, followers of Judaism in Jesus' day who were not uh, following the command to support their father and mother because, because they were saying, no, this is, this is God's money. Um, th- these things are sacred, and they're not to, I'm not going to use them for supporting my parents because I have dedicated these things to God. And so they were neglecting one command for the sake of another. And, and, and we certainly can't be falling into that trap. And, and, and I've seen this and, and even heard this, that, uh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't support these other, um, what I would consider kingdom causes, um, because um, uh, all, of my, uh, all of my giving goes to the local church. I'm, I'm not sure that that is a kingdom principle. Right. There, there's, you know, without getting too far in the weeds, because it's for sake of time, but I think all of us would agree that there are things that the church is responsible for doing and there's things that the individual is responsible for doing. Right. And so how do we, you know, how do we take care of individual responsibilities if we've given all of our money to the church when God specifically delineates those two, right? There are, you know, the church is about evangelism, edification, and benevolence of the saints the individual is everything else, right? You know, James is writing to individuals when he talks about the followers and the widows, that that's on us, right? You know, that's individuals. You've got to have money to take care of the fatherless and the widows. That's true and undefiled religion, right? Uh, if we get into either Timothy or Titus, but uh, we're talking about the widows, right? And, and before the widow becomes a, for lack of a better term, a ward of the church to take care of, there's all these other individuals that should be there to take care of her first. Right. You know, where's the family and you know, where are all these other people? Cause there's in, as individuals, we should be there for that. So if you don't build it point, it being, if it's not in the budget, you don't have the money for it. So, you know, we've got, we understand that there are, you know, church causes and there are individual causes and we've got a budget for both. 
secondly, so uh, good luck tackling this one in 60 seconds or less, Mike. I'm going to drop this in your lap. What about tithing? Aren't we to tithe? Shouldn't 10% be the number that goes to the local church? So tithing is, is so interesting, and I love that you give me a 60-second clock on this because this is a, you know, decades-long argument, right? So let's now Listen, let's... I knew you couldn't do it in a 60-minute clock, so you might as well <laughs> give me the abridged version. So the, the Reader's Digest version of this is that, you know, you can go back to the Old Testament and it talks about a tithe, a, a tenth, okay? Um, it's disingenuous for us to honestly say that a tithe is all that your local Israelite paid. First of all, they barely paid anything. Um, but what they were supposed to, if you go to Levitical law, and we dig through the Levitical law, and depending on how bad of a Jew you were that year, right? Because you had sacrifices for multiple things. There's grain offerings and there's meal offerings. There's all these offerings that you have to give. That's all got to come out, right? So depending on how bad you were that year, your number's 35 to 50%, you know? And then if you had a really bad year, it could be 60 or 70% of the first cut that comes out. You know, this is off of the top. This is before anything else gets paid. So you know, while the biblical principle of, of tithing is there, some people have said, hey, this is a good way. I'll pluck out this one Old Testament thing, and I'll say, if you give a tenth of your income, that's all you have to do. Well, again, it's disingenuous. There, there is, you know, a bunch more that has to be given there. In the New Testament, if we carry that over, the Hebrew writer says we have a better covenant with better promises and you know, we are to give as we've been prospered. Well, we've been prospered more spiritually than the Old Testament. I think all of us would agree, right? Uh, and, you know, most of us, again, based on world standards and median income and where we started this, have been blessed more than the rest of the world financially too. So, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, a tenth is not nearly enough. Um, but if, if that's where you can start, I don't think it's a bad place to start. Um, but to legislate and say you must mandatory give a tenth, I, I think you're way underselling what both they gave in the Old Testament and the fact that, you know, we've got better covenant with better promises. Yeah, again, I would say, and we'll say this many times, God did not give us a formula here. And I think uh, in my judgment, that's intentional that we are, we are, we're supposed to wrestle with this stuff. We're supposed to struggle about it. We're supposed to pray about it and talk about it with, with you know, those that are close to us and 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 dis, decide as a family what these numbers are. Um, so uh, I think you can handle that well. Uh, the next point um, is that that giving is intended to be sacrificial, and that is that's a reason why it comes out of the budget first. It's not the last fruits; it's the first fruits. Um, and and the example of the widow's two mites there, which you have already degraded her giving earlier in this lesson. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that alone, but, um, but no, that, that is, it's intended to be, it's intended to be sacrificial. Her extreme example is, 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 uh, indicative of that. And also indicative of the fact that God, God is way more concerned about the, the proportion of our, um, giving to our love as a, as, uh, as a compared to the dollar amount that, that her, her giving was, was enormous. I want to just throw one more quick thing in here. Um, what is commanded, required in our giving is that it's also done cheerfully. You know, while we don't have the formula for it, we don't have the, you know, percentage that God says, you know, hey, give X. He does say 
that while it's sacrificial, while, while it, it ha it's the first fruits, it's got to be done with the right heart and mind. You could give 30, 40, 50% of your income, but do it with a bad heart grudgingly or out of compulsion, and it's bad. So I think that's also very important here when we talk about this. I love, I always think of, um, you know, whenever I think of giving and, and, and the idea of sacrificial, I always think of David, right? You know, when David goes and he's got to offer sacrifice and, um, and, and I can't, Nahab or, or whoever the, the, the gentleman is there that he says, I will give you, you know, the threshing floor. I'll give you the altar. I'll give you these things. And David's comment and, and that passage is, I cannot give something to God that costs me nothing. And, and, and that, that always rings hard to me that, you know, it should cost us and what we give to God for the sake of the kingdom. And, and that's got to be important when we build this number into, it's got to be a, a, a fairly significant number. It can't be what's in the, you know, ashtray of the car. And, and, and one of the practical ways you can evidence that is it's things below this line. that get trimmed when things get tight. That's, that's kind of definitionally what we're talking about. And last, I think this is important. I hope everybody has made it to this point. Um, just practical, just, uh, high, you know, highly practical things um, about, about our giving is, is we said the first one many times, uh, budget this item first, um, because that makes, you know, that, that intellectually truly makes it our first fruits. Um, and it allows us to, to prove that it's sacrificial and that we, are going to um, moderate our other expenses to make sure that our giving is where it should be. At the second practical tip, I'm, I'm giving credit to Mike Estes. This was a game changer for me. Um, as we talked about this in a previous encounter a few years ago, is that how do you practically um, give to charitable causes is you take that, that budgeted, um, not to the local church, but that other budgeted charitable uh, giving, and you put it in its own account. And if those things don't pop up in a given month, you just drop that money in there and let it grow. And when that, when that thing does come up, you're ready for it. And, and full disclosure there, I cannot take credit for that. Um, my very good friend, All Adam, great ideas are stolen. No yeah, question. My, my very good friend, Adam Malone, uh, taught me that. And, and, and here, here's the thing, you know, the example he gave me was there, there was a young couple um, newly married, um, just starting out, only one of them was working. And I want to say their household income was less than $30,000 a year. And he said, Mike, if, if they can have a, and he called it a God's money account, his charitable account, Mike, if they can do that, everybody can. And it just, it, I mean, it hit me like a punch in the face uh, of, you know, I, the amounts may change as we're blessed more, but everybody can bake this in. And, and to Michael's point, create, most banks have a free checking account or you can get a free one online. Get that money out of your operating account. Move yes. it over, get it away from you because that's dollars that, that, need, that will come up that you'll need. If, if you don't need it this month, in six months when something big happens and you have X dollars laying aside, you can be a part of that. And that way, when, when there is that, that thing that comes up, when your brother's house does burn down, when, when, you know, when, when there is a significant charitable need that, that we aren't sitting around saying, man, I, I wish that I could help him. Uh, but instead, God has blessed us and, and, and given us the stewardship principles to set some money aside just for this purpose. 
this is God's money. This is this account is God's money. It's going to be used for God's purposes. And when that shows up, we are leaping on the opportunity to push it in that direction. So, uh, I, I, everyone out there, if if you're listening, go do that today. Open that account. That's that's a one. And and I guess to close, Mike, uh, as we as we close our our study today, remember um, in all this giving that this is an act of grace. That is what, that's what Paul told the Corinthians is they were willing to give. They excel in many other graces. He told them to excel in this grace also. And that grace was giving. Uh, and so I, I guess closing there um, for, for today that we don't often think about giving as grace, but, but it is. It's, it is a recognition of God's grace to us. And it is, it is, a, is a way for us to reflect God's grace in, in gracefully, benevolently uh, being a funnel of those assets for somebody else. Right. And, and it's, we, please, let's, let's make sure we're real, we're real clear here. It's a shadow, right? God gives this massive amount of grace to us. He pays off debt that we could never imagine in sin. So how much more should we do small things, right? How much more should we, you know, reciprocate that grace to others that, let's be clear, don't deserve it. That's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. You know, I think sometimes, you know, we look at, you know, well, if, if, if a brother at church, if his house burned down, I'll help him. But the neighbor down the street doesn't really deserve my help. Like stop that stuff. That's nonsense. Um, you know, deserves a terrible word. And we've said that a bunch of people, either of us over the, over the years, uh, that's just the worst. It's deserve danger, danger. When deserve comes up, the alarm bell should go off. Yes, that's that's worse than any four-letter word I think that there is. Um, so, so that's important. Uh, so, again, as as we close, all of this, you know, again, it's God's money. All of it is, but specifically, you know, go do that today. Set up a God's money. A this is when the need comes. I'm ready. Account um, and and pray about this. It, again, it's an evolution, not a revolution. Start doing things today. You you may not be able to have a perfect budget by next month. But you can start making small steps today that maybe a year from now, 18 months from now, five years from now, whatever, however long it takes you to get there, you can have this. Absolutely, because it's what God intends for you to have. Um, but if you don't start taking steps today, you're never going to get there. So um, take those steps. Start getting this right. If you need help, if you need coaching, you need some guidance along the way, um, you want access to some of these spreadsheets, uh, you know, comment us, direct message us, um, you know, email, text, whatever. Um, we're here to help. So thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for spending some time with us today. And uh, we hope these things can help you and your family uh, do a little bit better in your stewardship and draw closer to God. We will touch on a new area of the budget the next time we get together. But until then, I've enjoyed it, my friend. Thank you. See you.